Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is a message brought to our church by a guest speaker. We hope that it is a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God has used it in your life. This morning, what I want to do is I want to share with you in a very personal way our family mission statement. This will be um, a day that when we get to the passage in Ezekiel, you'll see that I'm, I'm not going to walk through that in the normal way that, like you said, you're walking through the book of Ephesians. The goal, of course, with that is always to understand the biblical passage in its historical context, and you know, you're, you're pulling the, mean, the, the meaning out of that passage. And I, I talked with Pastor ahead of time. Obviously, in Matthew chapter 28, that's what we're going to see. And very briefly, we'll see the Great Commission. When we get to Ezekiel chapter 3, it'll be a little bit of a different look. It'll be a very practical and personal look. Because what I want to share with you this morning is, is really, it's our family mission statement taken from Scripture. Because I want to explain to you and help you guys to feel and, and understand the purpose of our partnership together. What it is that we're doing between Moses Lake Baptist Church and Krista Jaxila in, in Lampoon, Thailand. What profit do you hope to see from your sacrifice and investment in missions around the world? I think that we'll see that in a, in a, in a good way today. And then along the way, a second purpose is to challenge you in this. What is your mission here in, in Moses Lake? And I think that as we share a little bit of our family's mission statement, I, I hope to both encourage you with what we hope to accomplish there and also to challenge you with what God is planning to do in your church here. So you've got Matthew 28. Let's open that, and I'm going to read just three verses out of there and make some brief observations that will be a, a launching pad for the time that we have this morning. In verse 18, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now, if I were to break down that passage that we refer to as the Great Commission. It's literally Jesus' last commission or command to the disciples as he's preparing to leave the earth. I would, I would put it in these four statements. Well, before I give you these four statements, we need to understand that Jesus has just spent the last three and a half years with the disciples. And he's been teaching them about his upside-down kingdom. He says, after all these things the Gentiles seek... And he, he continually is showing that the way of, of this world, the way of the unbelieving world, places value on things that are very temporary. But his upside-down kingdom, for the past three and a half years, Jesus has been teaching the disciples how to value things that truly matter, how to value uh, the things of his kingdom. And now he's commissioning them as before he leaves the earth. And he, he says this. I would, I would break it down this way. As you go, make disciples, or that's evangelize. We, we often used to use a term, and I don't, I don't know what, what's the most common terminology here for your church, but we often used to use a term to win souls, which comes out of a verse in, proverb, in, the, in the Proverbs. And it's giving the indication that, that it takes some effort to... 
uh, convince someone of the, the eternal value of their soul, right? So we're, as you go, make disciples or evangelize, baptize, which would mean that we need to be examples of obedience and allegiance to the kingdom of Christ. And then fourthly, uh, it says teaching them to observe all things or growing in discipleship. That teaching them to observe all things means that it's not just about getting someone to make kind of a mental assent to the truth, although that, that it's important for people to understand and believe in the truth, but it doesn't stop there. It's about a lifelong obedience and allegiance to Jesus as king. So for us, our lifelong intention is serving steady, a slow obedience in the same direction, because Thailand needs faithful leaders. There, there have been churches, there have been missionaries in Thailand for a long time, but for a number of unique reasons, um, Buddhism is still the primary religion of Thailand, and, and over 95%, some, some, sometimes you would see over 96% of the country of Thailand is Buddhist. There's a, there's a very strong connection for a Thai person between their national identity or their, their cultural identity and Buddhism, although it's not just Buddhism, because when Buddhism came in several hundred years ago, it basically overlaid on top of the, the, what we would call animism. Does that make sense to y'all? Animism, basically a worship of spirits. So how that works, how spirit worship works is this, and it's a little different from Buddhism, but um, if, if a Thai person goes to a swimming pool, it would be very common to pay respects to the the spirit who would be seen as, as kind of covering that area around the swimming pool in order to maybe have favor. And, you know, if you've got children swimming, then there'd be a fear. Like, if you don't pay respects to the spirit of this area, then maybe that spirit will make something bad happen to your children or something like that. So that's kind of a view of animism where every single house has a sanpapum, uh, like a, a spirit house, and they would have a few different relics or things that would be representative of what they feel would be the spirits in that area. So there's animism and there's Buddhism, and it's kind of just mixed or overlaid there in the country of Thailand. And it's been that way for a long, long time. I don't, I, I, I want to give you guys a balanced perspective. I want you to see that God is doing incredible things in the country of Thailand and at the same time, I want you to understand, I don't, I don't want everything to be like, um, you know, all just great news. When the reality is, over the course of serving in a lifetime, there are ups and downs. There are discouragements and disappointments. And I would love to be just really real with you, really honest with you about the, the balance of that. That God is doing great things in the midst of a lifetime of slow obedience in the same direction. I think it's crucial for us to have a mission statement for our family because in those varieties of times, that, um, that keeps us grounded to what we're doing. No one expects it to be easy. Not every season gives good weather and not every sea offers smooth sailing. But in the times of setbacks and stresses and sorrows, 
we lean back on the foundation of Scripture, and we, we know that those are things that we expected to happen along the way. So I, I wanted to visit Matthew 28 with you really briefly, because I want us to understand this, first of all, that we believe that Jesus is our Savior. And as it says in John 1.12, that as many as believed him, to them he gave he power to become the sons of God. And that's what we long to see happen among the Thai people, is for them to come to understand that Jesus has the power, the authority, to give them sonship in the family of God. For us, as we, as we practically look at what we're doing in Thailand, there's a passage in Ezekiel chapter 3 that has been very, very helpful and formative for me. So I want you to flip over to that now, to Ezekiel chapter 3. And I'm going to start reading, and I'm going to kind of jump through the passage, and it'll be really important. We'll key in on verse 15, but I'm going to start in verse 4. He said unto me, Son of man, go get thee unto the house of Israel and speak with my words unto them. So you're going to see this word go a couple times through this passage. And you're going to understand that Ezekiel is being sent with a message. And I already feel a parallel. I already feel a sense of um, oneness with Ezekiel in having a message and being sent with an urgent message for another people. He says, for that we're not sent, in verse 5, to a people of a strange speech and of a hard language, but to the house of Israel. Now, there we kind of part ways because I am sent to a people of a strange speech and a hard language. Last month before we, the, the last month before we came to the States, I was preaching a, a series on discipleship, on the forming or shaping of your soul. And so I, I spent the introductory message of that, whole, of that uh, series talking about how God is shaping us into the image of Christ. So over and over again, I was saying uh, something like, and I got done, and I went to my assistant pastor. I typically do after I, I, uh, after I preach. I go to a couple of the men in our church, and I'll say, so did I say anything funny today? Anything come out wrong? Anything I need to clarify? And he was like, well, you know, you, you meant to say pan, but you said pan. You guys hear the difference there, right? So for an entire message, probably a dozen times, I was saying that uh, instead of saying that God was shaping or forming us into the image of Christ, I, it switched just with that little like tone being gone, flattened, to the word that you would use for like riding a bicycle or blending a smoothie or, you know, so the, the whole time I'm telling them that, that Jesus, that God is going to spin you into the image of Jesus. I mean, I guess you could maybe use it that way. And I'm not talking about nine years ago now. I'm talking about like, like last month that this is happening. So, um, yeah, people of a strange speech and a hard language, for sure. Verse number 10 in Ezekiel 3. Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, all my words that I shall speak unto thee, receive in thine heart and hear with thine ears. Now, it's, this verse is so important to me that we're not just, we're not going and, and doing something that's like a multi-level. We're not like counting numbers, that's not, that's not really the, the vibe of what we're doing, if I can use that word. We are hoping to live out our, uh, the, our discipleship 
to Christ in such a way that is compelling to the people around us, that they would understand that our allegiance to this upside-down kingdom uh, is worth following, is worth uh, being a part of. So we see Ezekiel, first of all, with a message in verse number 10. And the message is something that he has internalized. It's something that he is living out already. Then in verse 11, it says, And go, get thee to them of the captivity unto the children of thy people, and speak unto them, and tell them, Thus saith the Lord. So here we see Ezekiel's mission. Now, once again, understand, I'm not, I'm not explaining this passage within its historical context. I'm, uh, I'm giving you an application of the, one of the ways that God has used this specific passage in our lives. But I see that Ezekiel has a message, and it's a very urgent message for these people. And I feel so strongly the urgency as we go to the country of Thailand, and we understand that when we walk out on the street in our province, that we could meet 2,000 people, and statistically speaking, one of them might be a Christian. We understand the implications of that. We understand that as much as we love people and we want to see the good in people, right, that only by the name of Jesus Christ is salvation offered. And for every human being who is, a, who is attempting to achieve good standing with God through good works or through religion, there is no hope in that. There is no human on earth who is capable of making God grang jai. Now, here's a, a, a Thai word that doesn't really translate, or it's, it's kind of like... There, I mean, there are some, some Thai words that we love to use when we're just conversing with each other because they contain a meaning that's really powerful and that <clears throat> English, you've got to have a paragraph to explain. Grang Jai is very, a very useful word, but in, in, in this particular sense, I'm thinking of it this way. If somebody does something very nice for me, then I would feel Grang Jai. That word Jai is the word heart. And Grang is like bound So my heart is bound to do something in return for them. So that's kind of like one sense of the word grang jai. A lot of people think that if they can do something good enough, that God will be bound in heart to just wipe away their sins without the atoning blood of Jesus. And we understand that's not how it works. So many people in this world believe that they could be good enough but they don't understand it's only through the name of Jesus. So we have an urgent message, and we certainly understand that. We see that uh, Ezekiel is sent here on this mission, and we see again, here's this word, and go. And in the the end of verse 11, there's a really important phrase that I'd like for us all to notice today. It says, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear. So we we grasp and we understand that Ezekiel isn't responsible for the outcomes. He's simply to be obedient. He's just to be faithful. And we try our best to leave the outcomes up to God and to be faithful over the long run. In verse 12, the spirit took him up 
And there's, uh, the, the, we're going to see here in verse number 12 the motive why Ezekiel is, is willing to go on this mission. The Spirit took me up and I heard behind me a voice of great rushing saying, Blessed be the glory of the Lord from his place. Can I say to you that the deepest why of missions is to proclaim the glory of the Lord? We certainly, we love the Thai people, and that's a big part of our motivation to uh, make the lifestyle changes that we have made to live in the country of Thailand. However, that's not our deepest motive. Our deepest motive, just as we sang about this morning out of the book of Psalms, is to proclaim the glory of the name of the Lord. So we see Ezekiel's message, we see his mission, and we see his motive. But what I really want us to notice is his method. And we're going to find it down in verse number 15. First of all, in verse 14, the spirit lifted me up and took me away. And I went in bitterness, in the heat of my spirit. So that word bitterness, maybe we could think about it as like a, a turmoil. There's a, there's a mixed emotion for him. There's a turmoil that's going on. And we don't have all of the time this morning to look at the context of the Babylonian captivity and some of what's going on within the story here. But I would want to summarize it this way, that Ezekiel has people that he really cares about in two places. And he has important messages to give. He has an important word of the Lord to give in two places. And so he's kind of in this turmoil, caught between and suspended by the Spirit of the Lord between these places. But the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. And he feels this compelling from the Lord to, to bring this message to, verse 15, I came to them of the captivity at Tel Abib that dwelt by the river of Kebar. And I sat where they sat and remain there astonished among them seven days. So he's got this very urgent message. And we would think naturally, our intuition would be, he's going to get there as quickly as he can, and he's going to deliver the message from the Lord as quickly as he can. Right away, he's going to jump into giving them this message of the Lord. So when we find that he comes and he sat where they sat. That's not exactly what I'm expecting when I get to verse number 15. I'm expecting he's going to get there. He's going to find a pulpit somewhere. He's going to stand up and he's going to proclaim the message of the Lord. But what we see is very different. And I want us to take note of his method today. You see, the Babylonian captivity, which lasted 70 years, created a rift between people who had the same language, had the same initial culture. But when Ezekiel comes to these people, he's astonished among them. Or another word for that might be overwhelmed. It feels to me like he's experiencing cultural immersion and he's got some culture shock going on. Sometimes I think that we have to be willing to endure a little bit of awkward if we're, and I want to bring this home just a little bit now, okay? I might interchangeably say I, we, us, you, because in reality, the message that our family is taking to the people of Thailand is the same gospel truth that you are needing, that you are commissioned 
to deliver to your neighbor, to your coworker. And what I want to bring out today is that sometimes we think that just giving the message of the truth, maybe in the form of an invitation or a gospel tract, which is important, crucial for us to invite and to share the truth with as many people as we can. But sometimes we, we kind of pass off our responsibility with that gospel tract and we go, well, that's yours now. You, you do what you want with that. But sometimes if, if a person is going to really understand that urgent message that we carry, it's going to take a little more effort than that. If I go to the country of Thailand and I'm going to go visit someone in their house, I can't go in with my shoes on, first of all. And that's a little weird. That's a little different. I have to understand that if I'm going to go sit where they sit, that I have to be willing to change a little bit. And I'm not talking about any kind of change that would compromise the truth of the gospel or that would do what, like, like I mentioned, how Buddhism has just overlaid on top of their spirit worship or animism. That's not what I'm talking about whatsoever. I'm talking about going and spending enough time not just to understand the people that I'm around, but to be understood as well. And so if I'm going to go and visit a friend, if I'm going to sit where they sit, well, that's going to look very different from the way I grew up. And the reality is when I first arrived in Thailand, I would not have been comfortable at all sitting like this. There's a picture of me sitting uh, Indian style in the video, and what I remember is that my legs were asleep <laughs> because this is, this is new for me. Ten years ago when we were moving to Thailand, this was not my norm to sit this way. And then you put a kid on your lap for a while and legs definitely are falling asleep. When I read this passage in Ezekiel, that phrase strikes me that he says, I sat where they sat. He's not asking them initially to, to come to his point of view. He's not asking them initially to just, right off the bat, understand and receive the message of the truth. And we understand it's the truth. We're not compromising the truth. But when Ezekiel goes and experiences that culture shock and that culture immersion, his response is that he sits among them for seven days. I think in American time frames, that's like, that can feel like seven lifetimes. Imagine going to the house of a stranger that has culture very different from your own and putting yourself into their world, breaking into their bubble a little bit and then just doing that for a long time. Can I ask you this? How long, on average, do you think it would take for a person in Moses Lake studying what the gospel is, the message of the gospel? How long do you think it would take for them to really receive that message in their heart and in their heart be prepared to follow Christ 
with their lives, to pledge their allegiance to the king of kings. I think we underestimate it a lot. I think a lot of times we think that just doing the basics of outreach, which casts a broad net, and trust me, sometimes there are people who are just ready. We have on our church website, we have a form that people can fill out. And Easter in 2017, we had someone fill out that form. And on a Saturday, I I returned the call from this person that filled out a form. And he said to me, I have a friend who has been witnessing and telling me about Christ since I was a child. And I just want to know, how can I become a Christian? That was the very first thing I heard out of his words. Last night, he played guitar. It was this morning in Thailand. He played guitar and led in worship in our church in Thailand. He, the very next day, that was a Saturday in in 2017, the day before Easter, on Easter he came and in the afternoon he placed his faith and trust in Christ. That can happen. When you use every tool that's available to you, that can certainly happen because the Holy Spirit of God is moving and and, uh, breaking up fallow ground ahead of us, for sure. I'm I'm not taking anything away from that, okay? What I'm saying is that when when Mario, who uh, is the IT manager for our local IRS office, when he came to me and he said, hey, pastor, that that conversation about faith and repentance and really becoming like a child of God, I, I don't know if we ever finished that conversation, did we? And we sat that Sunday afternoon and he he placed his faith in Christ. And I counted back, it had been 13 months since I met Mario. And for most of those months, he had been attending church every Sunday. And he had been around our family. There was one, one uh, evening, in fact, I think it was the very first evening that he was in our home. Uh, one of my children was living out a Bible story by tying a pen to a string, and that was the sling of David. Only the pen hit something and exploded, and it was still spinning. And the ink from that big pen was all over our, our first church building. I think Elisa and, and another, I think Amy too, went at that with nail polish for a couple of hours that night. Thirteen months Mario had been around and seeing what it means to be a Christian. What I'm trying to depict to you is this. For sure, the Holy Spirit of God has been working in hearts and lives of people. And if you're faithful to to invite and to give them a gospel tract and to use the tools and means that you have available, I know that social media these days is a great way to be in touch with people. If you're faithful to do that, then the Holy Spirit can connect you with someone that he's already been working on. But what about someone who is really at ground, at like, Zero, level zero. No interest in Christ, nothing in their heart, really stirring to know who God is. Is it possible that God would use your life, not in a moment of a gospel tract, but in moments and hours and days and weeks of spending time with them and being a faithful gospel witness to them? How much of your time, and isn't time an interesting word? Because what is time? It's this constriction of our lives. It's this 
counting down of the finite beatings of our heart. It's very temporal. It's it's very short. It's very temporary. How much of it are you willing to invest for the eternal soul of another person? C.S. Lewis points out that we're not mere mortals, right? Civilizations, cultures, they compare, he says, to our lives like the life of a gnat. But you are an eternal soul. Ezekiel came to the people of the captivity. And because his message was so urgent, and because he was on such a a critical mission of delivering the word of the Lord to them, he was willing to sit where they sit. I'm not sure exactly what that might look like here in Moses Lake. I I don't think you'll have to take your shoes off to go into some, I mean, some homes, maybe they do that. I don't think you'll have to sit Indian style. I don't think you'll have to speak any strange languages or eat any food that is uh, disagreeable to you. But maybe your mentality could be an openness, a willingness to continuously spend time with the same person, not pressing them, to hear that message right now, but impressing them with the love of God day after day through your manner of life. We can do both, right? We can be urgent with the gospel message and we can be kind and compassionate and slow and loving to give people a fair chance to see from our perspective we might be able to see from their perspective in a moment. But if we want to expect someone to see from our perspective, we can't think that that's going to be instant. We can't think that's just going to happen because of what we know is the truth. We have to step into their lives. We have to sit where they sit. There's a lot more that I want to share with you, and some perhaps will get the opportunity to share tonight. But what I want you to understand is that as we are hoping to reach Thai people from Buddhism in their community, I believe that you could have and should have that same mission statement for yourself. It's not, there's not some like separation where People who are paid by the church have like a a magical or mystical ability to reach into people's lives. In fact, on the contrary, when you go day by day and work among people who don't know Christ, you have some opportunities that no paid person on a church staff will ever have. You're in their world, you're in their community, and you can sit where they sit so that you can deliver that urgent message the truth of Christ to them. One of my first really strong memories as a young boy was of a fall day in northern Michigan, and I was at a graveside funeral service. And I remember seeing literally a cardboard box lowered into the earth. 
because the, the person who was being buried was, had, had, was, was buried penniless, literally penniless. And there was family there, but it was really strange. No one really seemed to have a desire to invest more than just the legal minimum to bury this individual person. And I heard the words of the children of this man as he was being buried. And what struck me was that they weren't necessarily going to miss the man himself, but what they were going to miss was the opportunity to have a relationship with him. That, that the father wounds which they had received throughout their life would be sealed forever now. And as I stood at my own grandfather's graveside burial service, what struck me was that he was a soul that over the course of time had grown darker and smaller and clammier. And I watched my father, and it's such a stark contrast for me. Because if you go to that community in northern Michigan, my grandfather would have been just like all the uncles, all the people in that family. But something happened where the grace of God came into my father's life. And it changed the destiny of a whole family. So I'm a firm believer that when the grace of God touches one person, that that can become then a multiplied grace for generations to come. When I look out at our church in Thailand, last year as we signed our charter, there were three people whose signature on the charter, as I, as I was just noticing as people were coming through and putting their signature, there were three people who I would say they have another family member that's also a Christian. But the majority, every other person signing that charter, I, I thought about their family situation and I realized that in our church, almost everyone is the very first Christian in their family. Almost everyone that is a part of our church was reached because a friend took a lot of time with them to sit with them, to show them the love of Christ. And over time, eventually, they came to understand and the Holy Spirit moved in their hearts to help them to understand what it is to be born again. I'm excited, really, truly excited about the future of our church because I see in each of those families, of those courageous first Christians, I've seen them go through the times where they had aunts and uncles calling them and saying, what are you doing? This is crazy. Get away from this, you know, weird foreign thought. And I've seen them compassionately and courageously stand for the truth in their family and begin to change the destiny for generations of their family. 
what I wonder today is if God might not use each of us to intentionally invest in someone who's around us. Maybe you would have a short list of just four or five people that you're not just giving them the gospel one time, but that you just are willing to sit with them, an unbelieving person, sit where they sit and spend time with them consistently over the course of years and pray that the Holy Spirit would use that time for them to understand the gospel because ultimately that gospel, that moment of of them understanding that could change literally the destiny of their family for generations. I hope that you this morning can sense a little bit of just our heart for what we're trying to do in Thailand. But I hope at the same time that if you are someone who is born again, a child of God, that you would take it as your personal mission to invest in someone around you for as long as it takes for them to understand the gospel. Heavenly Father, we pray today that you would use your word to work in the hearts and lives of your people here. Father, I do not know the situations or the needs of every individual as your Holy Spirit does. But I know that every person here has the ability to to spend their time, to give of their time to share the gospel with someone in their community. I pray that you would help us and challenge us to that end today. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.